Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 80 of Sexology Podcast. This is Dr. Nazanin Moali, and today we're going to talk about fidelity agreement and sex tech. It's very interesting how our definition of cheating are different. For most people, what would one couple consider cheating totally could be okay with another couple. And I see it all the time in my practice that, for example, one one partner could be okay with like watching like webcams or doing different kind of like virtual reality uh, sex sex and another couple could think it would be absolutely a form of cheating. So I think it is important to have these conversations. And as a therapist, I think it is important to be mindful of where I, as a therapist, view these things. And at times I see some of my colleagues kind of impose their values to couples. And I think it's just fascinating area, and we're going to talk more about it. Again, as I mentioned, my guest today is Dr. Ari Tuckman. We had an interview with him about teledonics on episode 79. He's a psychologist and certified sex therapist based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. He writes in the Sex Matters blog on psychologytoday.com. He has given more than 350 presentations across America and in nine other countries. He also specializes in diagnosing and treating ADHD and recently finished his fourth book based on research he completed on the relationship and sexual satisfaction of couple who were one partner had, uh, has ADHD. You can find more information about his practice as TuckmanPsych.com. Here's my conversation with Dr. Ari Tuckman. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. We're going to continue the conversation we had with Dr. Ari Tuckman. I know in the previous episode, we talked about uh, sex technology and uh, teledildonic and cybersex and all of the things that are evolving in this area. And I think one of the, and I shared with you guys in that episode that I attended a talk by Dr. Ari in a conference, and he was talking about how this technology and sex techs are impacting our relationships. So I'm very excited to have another conversation and kind of go deeper in this topic. So Dr. Ari, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be back. All right. So it's very interesting that, you know, you talked about uh, fidelity agreement in your presentation and it was just kind of made me think about it more. Uh, one, one interesting thing we were invited to this wedding was actually it was supposed to be a week from about a week and a half from the time of our recording. It was like one of my husband's friends, very close friends. And one thing about my husband, I, I'm more in touch with my Iranian kind of side and he's more acculturated. So most of his friends are like Caucasian, like people who were born here, like from different backgrounds. Anyhow, long story short, we were invited to this person's wedding. And like last week, we got this kind of news that the wedding got canceled. And what happened was the wife, uh, like fiance, the, the female learned that the partner, the male partner did something 
that uh, it was very uh, disappointing to her sexually and she called off the wedding. And as I was talking to my husband, and I'm sure she was she's in tremendous amount of pain, otherwise you wouldn't do that. But this was something that, again, my husband and I were Middle Eastern, although again, my husband was went to school and everything here. And it, to me, it didn't seem like a deal breaker. And I think we, my husband and I, when we were talking about, I could see a little bit of like horror <laughs> in his eyes because I would imagine that's, that's something that he probably did. And it's mm. interesting, just made me wonder, again, not an issue for me at all, again, just because of where I am with these things. But it's interesting that how important it is to have conversations about what is okay and what is not okay. And that led us to have this lengthy conversation about this area. So I guess the reason I said that, I just like to emphasize how important it is to have these conversations with your partner because because you're coming from certain background or family history, it doesn't mean you'll be okay with few things. So let us start talking about what do you mean when you say fidelity agreement? Sure. So, so a fidelity agreement is basically a spoken and unfortunately too often unspoken understanding of what is and isn't acceptable within the bounds of the relationship. So this obviously applies to sexual things, like can we have sex with other people? But it also applies to non-sexual things, which is why I think fidelity agreement's a better word than monogamy agreement, because that just talks about sex. So like fidelity agreement is, you know, so things like, I don't know, how much money can we each spend without checking in with each other? You know, like, can I go out to dinner without checking in with you? Can I buy a car without checking in with you? You know, like where, what are the understandings of what fits of like, yeah, that's okay. Versus like, I don't know, that makes me uncomfortable. So, and, you know, without knowing the details of your friends here, you know, I don't know if the problem is that it was unspoken. And then the, the guy did something that the woman didn't approve of, but he truly didn't know of like, oh, wait, what? That's a problem. How much was it not really spoken, but he probably should have assumed that she'd have a problem with it and he conveniently didn't ask? How much was it discussed and well known, but he did this thing anyway, right? So like, mm. so there's a bunch of different ways to kind of cross these fidelity lines. But too often what happens is couples don't really discuss it beforehand. And when they discuss it is when someone does something and then the other person says, oh, whoa, wait a second, what, what, hap what just happened there? So like, here's an example. I mean, there's a million of these, but I had this client who was living with his girlfriend of a few years. Um, they're in the early twenties, barely having sex anymore for, you know, half a year or something. And she caught him looking at porn and was really sort of upset about this. So on the one hand, you know, you could sort of fault her and say, okay, so this is like a young guy in his early twenties. You're not having sex. How are you surprised? Like statistically speaking, it would be shocking if he's not looking at porn sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you could fault her of like, why didn't you bring this up and ask? But you could also fault him to say like, dude, you had to know she wasn't going to be psyched about this. I'm not saying you shouldn't <laughs> do it, but, but you should have at least asked, right? So it's kind of like, so there's sometimes a collusion on both people's part to not bring up a topic that is going to be too uncomfortable to discuss. You know, so there's sometimes a don't ask, don't tell that happens until someone is forced to have that conversation, which is not really the ideal circumstances. Right. And I think when we get to these conversations, it can be very 
kind of challenging because it, as my husband and I were talking about it, there can be so many nuances, right? Yeah. So you might be okay with the partner masturbating, but would it be okay if he's masturbating to a live person in a webcam? Like, mm-hmm. so where where is the line for you? And again, when I was just like thinking about this blanket categories, and I thought it would be just so simple. Oh, that's okay. And then like, but how would I feel about this this specific category? It was interesting. Yeah, and th- and it's exactly right. It's the nuances that you know. If we think about the big stuff, like you know, I don't know that my wife and I ever had a discussion about like. So you're not going to have intercourse with anybody any again, right? Like mm-hmm. where it's just us. Like I I actually don't think we had that conversation, but it's kind of like we didn't have to because that was pretty much understood. But it's exactly the nuances that you know. So. Kind of the, the classic example that I use is what about being friends with exes on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Like, is that okay? And you know, back before Facebook, this like this wasn't an issue, right? Like, my wife and I never had a conversation about you know looking up exes on Facebook when we got married because Facebook didn't exist when we got married, right? So, like, the amount of information you had about an ex was really much more limited, but. You know, there are some people who will say, definitely not, no way, that's absolutely cheating to be friends on Facebook with an ex. And then there are others who look at it and say, like, yeah, pff, I don't care, whatever. Like, I know he's a jerk. I know why you broke up with him. I'm not threatened by that. Right. So mm-hmm. this is where it gets sort of complicated. And, you know, where it, let's make it even more complicated. What about stuff like, Generally speaking, I don't want you talking to exes. However, I just found out that my ex's mother died. I always had a good relationship with her and or maybe not, but just out of a sense of decency, like, is it okay under those circumstances to send a brief note? Like, is that is that okay? Or is that still not okay? You know, so it depends. And it depends on what's the history there. It depends on how secure each person feels in the relationships. Maybe you're just dating, you're a bit more insecure. After you've been together a while, maybe you're more secure. And then you're like, you know what, I'm not worried about this. But I think that it's just important for couples to have these conversations. You know, other stuff like, is it okay to have sexual fantasies about somebody who isn't your partner? Is it okay to have sexual fantasies about somebody, I mean, it's one thing if it's like a famous movie star where you probably don't have any shot at them. But what if it's somebody like actually in real life? You know, it's like, oh, that person goes to the gym I go to. Never spoken to them, but they go to my gym. Or this is a person in our friend circle. Like I actually know that person and sometimes I talk to them. So busting a move isn't going to be the hardest thing in the universe. You know, so like, is it okay to have those kind of sexual fantasies? Can I tell you the fantasies I have? Can you tell me? How do we feel about that? And this is where it gets much more complicated. And, you know, you can't control what you think, and you certainly can't be thought police on what somebody else thinks. But, you know, it's a question of how much do you want to know versus how much you sort of not want to know and pretend it ain't happening. Yeah, and I think it's just so interesting when you're talking about this because I think... At times, people kind of their approach, I want to know everything. But what I know about desire is like, or you might agree with me, I don't know. But it's just, if you know everything, 
that right. wouldn't be as exciting. So you definitely need to have some kind of independence on your thoughts and desires. So I feel like, you know, knowing too much can kill the desire as well. Yeah. Well, and I think that that can go both ways that, you know, I think probably like many things, the, the sweet spot is often somewhere in between. So, you know, because I think the other side of it is if it's a thing of like, you know, we can't share each, uh, you know, we can't disclose to each other each of our fantasies or turn-ons because it makes one or both of us too uncomfortable. Then it's this thing of like, you know, I think you've used this phrase on one of your podcasts before, but but it's this idea of leftover sex. Right. You know, it's like, you know, I don't want to do that stuff that makes me uncomfortable. You don't want to do the stuff that makes you uncomfortable. And then, you know, the sex that we have is the stuff that's left over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a disconnect I think that can happen there that, you know, you're not being kind of authentic. You're not, you know, there's some risk with disclosure of that vulnerability, but you know, the line between risk and excitement is pretty darn thin, you know, so it can add a real charge to that erotic experience together. There's something pretty cool about being known and knowing your partner, including some of the stuff that's maybe a little bit more out there that you wouldn't necessarily like, I don't know, put on your Facebook status, you know? So, but you know, the risk with intimacy is we may not like everything we see and hear, you know, or a partner may not like everything they see and hear from us. So, you know, so I think there's a balance there of like how much you want to know and be known versus how much you, or there's certain things you're like, I just don't really want to know about that stuff. Right. And I know in the previous episode, you were talking about how technology is constantly evolving and it can kind of add different things as you were talking about right now with the Facebook that we didn't need to talk about it. So how are you thinking the technology is kind of evolving our uh, fidelity agreement? I think it's forcing us to have more detailed conversations. And, you know, although that's not always fun in the doing, I think it's probably as a general statement, meaning it's not always true, but generally speaking, I think it's a good thing because it it forces us to be less sort of intellectually lazy or to not take sort of emotional shortcuts of, you know, it's sort of like if none of your exes live nearby, you don't really have to have a conversation about being in touch with your exes, you know, like back in the day of like mailing letters, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, how hot and heavy can you get? I suppose, you know, in the Renaissance, they might sort of argue that, but, you know, versus being able to do stuff on Facebook and not just chatting like text stuff, but like video chatting, you can get pretty hot and heavy in that case. So, you know, it forces us to have these conversations and, you know, kind of like I said in the last episode, is it what people decide on? I think is ultimately much less important than why they decide that. You know, like why? So are they deciding thing? Are they coming to a decision for the right reasons? And that means well considered that they really talked about it, they've thought about it, they've challenged themselves to really be honest of what's going on here. They've challenged their partner to be honest about what's going on here, and you know they've had enough of a discussion that they can create a sustainable agreement of this is what we're doing and why versus kind of half discussions that then, you know, are just sort of a setup for trouble. So like the classic example is, and I'm going to go with the gender stereotypes as well. A woman catches her boyfriend or husband, you know, masturbating to porn, freaks out and, you know, yells at him. 
he then, you know, feels guilty and ashamed and doesn't like the fact that his partner's upset and makes the promise, I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. And, you know, sometimes that actually happens, you know, like that's sustainable, but like the odds are against it. Like you didn't really talk about it. Why are you looking at porn? What does it do for you? How does this impact how you feel about me? How does this impact how you feel about our shared sex life? How does this impact how, you know, your expectations for sexual performance or, or body types? How do I feel about the fact that other people turn you on, which shouldn't be surprising to anybody, but, you know, you're acting on that, you know, feeling of being turned on by other people. So, you know, it's like without having a real discussion, it's easy to pretend like we came to an agreement, but it's a false agreement. You know, it's only a matter of time before that guy, you know, slips up or says, you know, damn it, I'm tired of, you know, like she's always guilting me or she doesn't have enough sex with me or whatever. I deserve to watch porn again or something. And then he gets busted eventually. And then it's doubly bad because now she feels like not, you're not just looking at porn, you also lied to me the first time. So it makes a bad situation worse. And it's harder to really hunker down and have that discussion the first time. But it's much better in the end. Right. And I feel I, I get I had work with few of those kind of situations because if you're coming from a conservative background yourself, you already have this guilt going on. And then the partner, like you're making promise and I'm not going to watch porn. And then it's just like I had clients coming to me. say, oh, I have porn addiction. I cannot stop. And when we got into it, they're watching, I don't know, 10 minutes every two weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was just the guilt that was getting in the way. And I think part of it is just kind of like, talking about it with your partner instead of saying yes, kind of like, what is it about the porn that's kind of worry them? How sustainable these things are versus kind of like making agreements that you will not be able to kind of keep. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it, as with every other agreement in relationships and I don't know, probably outside of relationships and business settings also, but like, you know, it's sort of like it begins with knowing yourself well. Like, how do I feel about whatever this topic is that we're talking about? Where are my values? Where, what are the things that I'm willing to be flexible about? Where are my soft limits? Where are my hard limits? Why are these my limits? You know, to what extent am I willing to sort of explore and consider other possibilities? To what extent can I understand that as much as I am not interested in that, I understand that you might be. So, my wife loves lamb. I don't really like it. Mm -hmm. There's no moral judgment on either of us, but it's just like not a like we're just not the same. Or some of the bands I think are awesome. She thinks are terrible. Like again, no moral judgment on that one. Hopefully, but you know, so like being able to understand that I understand that this is a thing of interest for you, even if it's not a thing of interest for me. But being able to negotiate out. So like, what part does this play in our relationship or in our sex life? or whatever. So, you know, but I think being able to really kind of get into the details of it, maybe not on a second date, but certainly once you've been together for a while, because the more you really get into the details, you understand yourself, you understand the other person, the better conversation you can have, and the more likely you're going to come to an agreement that both people can feel okay about. Right. And also with the technology piece, I, I kind of have the experience like personally the more you get exposed to things 
the more you discover, and I know it's the same for my clients about your sexuality. So because like in the past, we were not exposed to different kind of range of things because of the kind of virtual reality or how you can kind of like view things and your interests might change. So even if you have the best intention and best conversation with your partner, like you had it like 10 years ago, your sexually might be a different person today and how to continuously kind of have this conversation, I think can be hard. Yeah. And it's absolutely a thing that, you know, technology is changing. So our conversations need to change, but also as individuals, hopefully we're changing too, you know, in sort of all ways and the relationship evolves over time as well. So, you know, so there's lots of stuff going on here that, that sort of it, makes it important to continue having these discussions. That is not a one and done by any means. And part of also, I think what changes is, you know, there's nothing like the passage of time and hopefully some accumulation of wisdom, but also the sort of like the growth in the relationship to kind of push us to sort of re-examine things sometimes or to see old stuff from a new perspective. Of like, you know, back when we were first dating, I kind of saw it like this, but now I can understand, you know, how other things happened and how this influenced that and that influenced this. And I brought this stuff and you brought that stuff and da 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 da. It's just much easier to have a more full discussion about it as you get a little bit older and wiser. So hopefully those conversations improve with time. Where do you think people usually get stuck? Because that's that's a common experience that I had. Like maybe people had this conversation if they're really on top of it, like once early stages of relationship, but that's not an ongoing conversation that people have. What, what do you think gets in the way? I think what gets in the way is it's either not knowing oneself or not being able to sort of like hang in there and face some of the difficult conversation. So let's use let's use, you know, watching porn as like kind of a classic example of this, but like you can swap in any other topic if you wanted. But so, you know, let's take the scenario. The woman catches the guy looking at porn. Now it's super easy for her to take the, the path of, you know, porn is terrible. How could you do this? This is cheating. I can't compete with those bodies. I can't compete with what they're doing. I can't believe how depraved you are that you're interested in those crazy things then it's easy for the guy to then either, you know, get self-righteously indignant about you can't tell me what I should like or something, or to give into it and say, yes, I'm a terrible person. I can't believe I did this. But in that process, what they're not talking about is what is it about the porn that's interesting? Or how does masturbation, how is that a different experience than doing things together? And by the way, why aren't we having perhaps sex as much as we used to, like what's going on, you know? So is there some kind of a bit of avoidance on each of their parts? So the, the guy isn't approaching his partner for either sex, sex, or just affection and connection in general. She's also not approaching him. And maybe also if she were to be really honest, she might recognize that, you know what? I kind of, okay, I only caught you this week, but I sort of figured because like you haven't been hounding me the way you were before. And if I'm really going to be honest, I was kind of a little bit relieved about that. Like, I'm not happy about you watching porn, but I, I kind of like the fact that you're not bugging me about sex and we're not fighting about it. So it's sort of like 
you know, there's like contradictory feelings in all of this. And, you know, the guy might feel like, you know what, I want to be more honest with you about what turns me on, or I want to be able to just go and enjoy myself in a way that doesn't have to involve you all the time. But he feels too vulnerable to admit it, or he fears accurately or not the reaction he's going to get from his wife or girlfriend. So he doesn't say it. So it's easier for him also to just go sneak away rather than actually have that direct conversation. So I think that, you know, there's an avoidance of vulnerability that, you know, that is going on when we're not having these more direct conversations. And it's almost always takes two to tango. There's almost always both people playing a part in these Right. And I like your recommendation of like helping people to kind of slow down and kind of be curious about uh, what is it about this that you like uh, instead of kind of panicking. Because at time I noticed that at the beginning of the relationships, sometimes people are not that kind of invested or deeply attached. So it's kind of easier for them to have these conversations. But if like when we are with partners for a few decades or for a while, then some people get into this panic mode that, well, maybe, and I work with eating disorder, so maybe he's watching porn because my body is not the right type. Maybe he's yep. watching porn because I'm not attractive. And we make all these assumptions that's not going to help us and it's not going to be accurate. So I agree with you. It's just super important to kind of get in more depth if you can to learn more about what's, what's going on in the situation. Yeah, and it may be that... You know, like even if two people are watching the same snip of video, they're not necessarily paying attention to the same parts of it, you know? So it may not be that it's about, you know, like for the guy who's watching, let's say, it may not be that the thing that really gets him going is the fact that the woman in the video has, you know, a better, in quotes, body than his actual partner does. Maybe the fact that, you know, this is a woman who looks like she's really into it and that's the thing that turns him on. Or he likes the fact that the guy is really pleasing her or he likes the fact that the woman really seems eager to be there and he hasn't felt that way with his partner. Or maybe it's just, it maybe just doesn't mean much of anything at all. You know, like we have fantasies of all kinds. We watch all sorts of ridiculous TV shows and movies, but we don't expect that to be our life. You know, so like my example I give here, and I know you'll appreciate this is, you know, like, I think Game of Thrones is awesome. But like, I don't walk around with a sword. and I'm not trying to raise an (laughs) army to invade Canada. You know, like, I don't miss I don't think that should be my life. And in many ways, I'm glad I don't live in Game of Thrones, right. But, but it doesn't mean it's not a fun escape for small periods of time over the course of a week. So watching Game of Thrones is not a criticism of my life now, you know, and by the same token, somebody enjoying porn is not a criticism necessarily of their partner. So, you know, in, but even beyond that, I mean, let's be honest, there's something about being with a real person in real life that is always going to be better for most, most of us than anything you can watch on TV or watch through a VR headset or whatever. So I think that often the, when people feel threatened by these things, it's, it, they feel more threatened than they need to. And I think that if they can understand what their partner is or also isn't getting from it, I think it's easier to come to sort of a, an under kind of a fidelity understanding, you know, like to make a decision about what is and isn't acceptable within the relationship 
that both people can feel good about. Right. And I and I love when you're talking about kind of like it can be a playful kind of leaving an alternative life for a few moments. You're, and I love that. I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones, so I can totally relate <laughs> with what you said. But also it is like, you know, sometimes it's refreshing just kind of like zone out and kind of think about how would it be if I was someone else? Kind of an extension of your daydreaming kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And again, sometimes you might kind of watch some porn and just like to that are like different than your sexual behavior, just just to kind of engage that curiosity. And you're right, it might not be anything to it more than like, oh, I'm kind of curious, how would that look like? Or like, it just gives me some novelty as long as it's not kind of causing like major issues in your life. Yeah, yeah. And I think that this comes back to, you know, it's sort of, we talked about this, I think in the last episode, maybe it was in this one, but, but this idea of rounding up versus rounding down, that, if porn is becoming an escape where you're not, if you're single and you're not seeking a partner, or if it's an escape from dealing with issues in your sex life or in your relationship more broadly with your partner, if it's easier to hide away in porn and get your needs met in some small way that way, versus actually doing that hard work and really making things better and making sex worth having with your partner and making the relationship better and more interesting and you're both more engaged. I think, you know, then that's a loss versus if it's an add-on to an already positive experience, you know, good sex life, good relationship. And I think it's okay. I mean, it's sort of like, I mean, it's the same deal with being friends with exes or being friends with other people or whatever. If it's in addition to your life and relationship and it doesn't take away from it, it doesn't threaten it, it's not an avoidance. And I think it's probably okay, but I think that each of us have to decide if it's okay. And each of us have to, you know, really be honest with ourselves and our partners about whether it is, in fact, you know, adding or at least not taking away, or is it kind of an escape? You know, so you can't say porn good, porn bad, friends with exes good, friends with exes bad. Like it's, it's, it's about the details and they really do matter. Right. And I, I feel like I want to talk to you about this for hours, <laughs> but I know it's toward the end of our time. And I know you do writing about sexuality. You have a different resources. So what would be the best way to get in contact with you? So the best thing to do is to go to my website, which is tuckmanpsych.com. And that's psych is in psychology. So E-S-Y-C-H. And I've got information there about my practice and you know some stuff that I've written. I also have a blog I'm writing on psychologytoday.com called Sex Matters. So, you know, check that stuff out and I don't know, send me some thoughts. I'm always happy to hear them. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to have you on the show and thank you for your time. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Ari Tuckman. I think this is a important conversation for all of us to have if you're in a relationship to what what is considered cheating and what is not. And oftentimes I get surprised about how people are not able to kind of see where their partners are. And I think when we're talking about it in therapy, they get surprised about, oh my God, I didn't know this is considered cheating for you or not. And I think 
our interests, our views are changing as technology become more and more part of our lives. So I would love to hear your thoughts about this topic and how you and your partner are talking about these things and whether it's working for you or not. I hope that you guys share it in our social media. You can uh, share your thoughts about this episode at oasis to care uh, which is my handle in all social media platforms. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.